0: you know, bringing in your own cup to Starbucks is a great idea, but after this pandemic, I don't know if anybody's gonna be necessarily comfortable with doing that anymore. and welcome to the Controversial Dive podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie. This podcast takes deep dives in today's most controversial topics. Today's topic is all about my philosophy of realistic conservation. And it's also the first official public episode of this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast or are interested in other controversial topics, sometimes more mature controversial topics, there are exclusive episodes of this podcast only for my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mackenzie. I do want to take a quick second to say thank you so much for your support. If you are listening to this, thank you so much. Thank you for downloading, listening, subscribing, all of those things. They mean the world to me. This has been my passion project for the past month and a half, and it's really exciting to see it finally come to fruition. Today's guest is my best friend since high school, Cheyenne. Her pronouns are she, her, and she's somebody who's also very into conservation. So it was nice to have this conversation with somebody who has a similar mindset as myself. Now, I don't want to take up too much time with this intro because today's topics are extremely important, but I do want to say thank you one more time. I cannot wait to see where this project goes. And with that, let's dive right in. All right, and welcome to the podcast, my best friend, Cheyenne. Hey, shy. <laughs>
1: what up hello
0: hello uh, I'm so excited to have you here uh, I keep saying this to you but if you had gone back 10 years in time and said and told me that I was going to start a podcast and asked me who my first guest would be I would have said you and then here we are so I'm pretty excited to have you on this podcast especially because this is a topic you've heard me talk about for years at this point so it's nice to finally um, be putting it into a project uh before but before we get going I would like to give you space to tell us about you tell us about what you do what your what your life is like, and why this topic today is also important to you.
1: Um. Well, hello. First and foremost, my name is Cheyenne. Um. Cheyenne Kanani. I live on the North Shore of Oahu. I am a surfer. I'm a free diver. I'm a mom. I just yeah yeah just all kind of things. Um. But. Because I'm a child of the Pacific, I really resonate with conservation efforts and ways to save the world. Well, not necessarily the world, but <laughs> at least my corner of it.
0: <laughs> at least not let your islands go underwater, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's valid. Um, and you are a mom, so I think that does play into it as well, that you see a future in, in your kid, which is a different different kind of thing. Um, but today's topic is realistic conservation and kind of my view on how we are currently as a green movement functioning or working, because I obviously don't think that the mainstream like, environmental movements are actually effective. Uh, I've said this multiple times, and I think the the core of the issue of a lot of these movements is consumer blaming, right? Is that we are looking at the person like you and me and saying, "Oh, it's your fault because you're buying plastic or you're not eating vegan or you're do you're doing all of these things that that harm and it's therefore your fault." And we're not as a society kind of going, "Wait a second, it's not us, it's them, it's these big yeah. companies and uh, you know, and we need to be changing our tactic in order to really get to the root of the problem
1: fully no it's yeah everything is about getting to the root of the problem like you were saying um big companies big corporations really like to point fingers at the little guys without taking any real responsibility for the damage that they are causing on a global scale to the environment and not just to the environment but to just people's lives as well and it's detrimental yeah
0: and like an example i always give people about this this concept of consumer blaming and how it can really take away from actual effort is the starbucks example and how years and years ago starbucks was going to implement a recycling program and recycle like take on the responsibility of recycling their cups and recycling their plastic like they were going to have you return the cups to the stores and like implement these recycling bins in this recycling program and then it just we straws became this thing we started pointing fingers at straws started saying that we don't need straws anymore so they made you know these environmentally quote-unquote environmentally friendly lids that are strawless and the whole recycling program just went under because nobody was paying attention to it because that's not what the public wanted the public wanted straws, no more straws for the turtles but not a, a recycling plan that would be way more effective like that wasn't the popular thing so yeah. of course these big companies are no it's do like this. they're
1: magicians oh yeah big time magicians it's like look over here while i do this exactly. you'll never know what happened
0: exactly like oh you guys want to talk about straws kato look at the straws look at the straws and we're gonna do yeah. all this over here all <laughs>
1: yeah, right Uh oh, silly humans silly um, humans but yeah the straw debacle the it's... straw debacle <laughs> it's rather mind-blowing honestly but i will say i do like that it did bring to light at the very least the amounts that humans kind of care and that was yeah. cool for me that was cool it's like oh wait a minute as long as we can get everyone on the same page on what actually works then this kind of caring could really really do some good that's true
0: i i i think that's a great message to to remember is that mm-hmm. pe- people do care that there are a lot of people that care. They just don't get the correct information. You know, they yes. get this this kind of dramatized version of the information that that then you then kind of run with this big drama instead of looking at the big picture and collectively looking at the big picture. and And I think if we maybe came together and collectively looked at the big picture and then held those companies accountable collectively, You know, we were collectively on the backs of Nestle and Nabisco and all of these big companies that, you know, produce these things and are producing this waste and producing these products that use palm oil and use all of these things, but aren't actually taking any responsibility on. But if we as a a collective, we were like, okay, no, we want you to take on that responsibility. If you're going to be producing this product, then you also need to be putting in efforts to reduce the harm that you cause or to counteract the harm that you cause you know if you're going to be using palm oil make sure it's ethical palm oil and make sure that your company is then donating to the amazon or donating to to these farms so that your people are getting paid correctly so you're not harming farmers and you're also Mm -hmm. contributing to you know reforestation so it's it's it 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 really would be nice if instead of instead of us all kind of looking at each other and blaming each other because yes that's that you know it showed that we all really do care about the planet mm-hmm. instead of putting each other, we kind of just were like, okay, together we're going to band and confront and deal with these companies and that's one of the things that I would like to do um as as this on this platform and with this podcast and with all these things is i want to provide provide people with uh you know sources and materials to be emailing these big companies you know to to have these conversations yes. and to be voicing what they what they want to say you know I think that's that's baseline of what i want to do at the end of the day is is we need to be working together to confront these people so i'm going to give people resources like here's an outline of an email that you can be sending fill in fill in the company's name fill in what you use show them that you use it all the time if you're like a big oreo consumer a big goldfish consumer whatever those things may be you know we all love them it's people we try and pretend like we don't we try and be like well that's trash but really at the end of the day we all love a good oreo like come on let's honestly come on like we can't you know it's we can't really just like be like no i'm gonna get the the, the fancy ones <laughs> and those ones aren't even that good anyways And you don't know if they're actually doing good for the planet yeah. so so what's the point but you know if we all came together and 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 said okay nabisco we love your product here are the things that we want we, we want to see as your consumer i think that would be so much more effective than kind of holding each other accountable and trying to do these small movements like banning straws and stuff because when you when you start to really think about it like critically like think about the straw thing critically then it starts to deteriorate really really fast right instantly
1: Instantly. yeah like instantly
0: like when you when you start really thinking about it it's like okay well it's, it's not actually doing that much of what we need like no, okay it's just like in...
1: the paper straws <laughs>
0: just like the paper straws yeah like you get a paper straw in a plastic wrapper like,
1: <laughs> like just when you try and use it and it's like oh
0: my god it disintegrates blech. oh god i got a paper straw for a slurpee um oh, no. like a couple months ago and i nearly cried I was like, Never this, again. this cannot be a thing. You're not giving me a paper straw for a fucking Slurpee. Do you know what a Slurpee is? Like fuck <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but Canada has banned uh, pretty much all single-use plastics, like along those lines. They've banned like coffee stirs and straws and forks and knives, which I think is is sure. That's that's great progress, step I guess. In the right it's a step in the definitely. right direction. Um, I hope that with that ban that we're also looking into Like eco plastics, because obviously we can't just be without single use items. Like I think we've learned that from this pandemic. That you know, bringing in your own cup to Starbucks is a great idea. But after this pandemic, I don't know if anybody's going to be necessarily comfortable with doing that anymore. And I mean, I think that's valid. I don't. I don't want to. You know, yes, that's shitty, but it's also valid.
1: Yeah, you don't want to minimize anyone's experience. No,
0: no, you don't want like. And you know, I think for me. Like having been so isolated during this time, like there are certain things that are just not coming back. Like handshakes, not coming back. Blowing candles Mm -hmm. on a cake, not coming back. Like (laughs) (laughs) Trusting other people to bring in their own cups to Starbucks and have them washed not coming back like i do not Mm -hmm. trust people so so i think that it's it's valid that we still need to have these single-use items but we need to be learning how to effectively make them and effectively break them down like we know now that we can break down plastic into clean hydrogen to use for um energy sources right like a a green energy source which is wonderful that's a great way to start to deal with this problem um so i think that's what we need to look at is collective we need to start looking at okay you hear the big things let's look at realistic solutions and that's the whole purpose of realistic conservation right is instead yeah. of it being like yeah. these minutiae things that we kind of focus on and put these way too trends. much evidence these trends yes these, these it's trends. what it is it's a
1: trend yeah
0: it absolutely is we 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 trend we make things into trends and then they become not effective anymore Um, Yeah. And so we need to be if we're going to have trends like that, it's wonderful that they, you know, we can get things done. We've seen that the Internet is powerful. We can get things done. We need to be looking at a big picture instead of looking at the tiny things we need to be looking at big picture and collectively working at big picture because we're, we're past the point of, of of no more straws. Like we're, we're way past that. Like our climate crisis is way past. You don't, don't use a straw. We, we are in the point of, no, we need to be, we need to be doing big changes like pretty immediately.
1: Oh no, for sure. Um, that's yeah, for sure. Big changes immediately. Root of the problem. That's Mm -hmm. where we need to get to. Mm -hmm. um, It's just so wild to me, too, that people don't seem to understand that. And it's not their fault, obviously, because they're just fed constantly false information, Yeah. like, oh, like back to the straw thing. Oh, we're going to take away straws and that's going to just save everything. It's going to save the turtles. It's going to save the world because we stopped using straws or like in Hawaii. (laughs) We banned um, single use plastic bags, but (laughs) They just made it thicker. So you have a plastic bag that lasts even longer. It's supposed in a landfill to be reusable
0: now. quote unquote reusable. But it's really yeah. just thicker. You still just use it once and then it's thrown away. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's it was like a loophole in this system where they were like, Yeah, we don't have single use these thin ones anymore. We made them thick for you. And it's still something that happens this day. Like I'm pretty sure Walmart still has them. The Walmart oh, yeah. in um near Alamoana. I'm pretty sure yeah. it still has them. Because that's the way they function. They have so I've much. I've seen them
1: blowing in the wind.
0: Oh, I've have fished so many of those out of the ocean. So many of those out of the mm-hmm. ocean. It's unreal. And it it that's the thing. That's the, that's that's the loophole, right? Is that okay? We're we tried to hold Walmart responsible for one thing. We were like, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna hold you responsible for your plastic bags, and they just like worked around it. So instead of we need to be like, okay, Walmart, you are a billion dollar organization. What? part of that money are you actually putting into contributing to environmental like the environment you do not so a bit not a bit like not even not a, not enough if even if there is something that walmart does i promise you it is not enough for the amount of damage that company causes globally they they're not counteracting that enough um even remotely I think that stands for most companies nowadays that you're oh, yeah. that you're they're not actually counteracting that properly. And that's the what I what, what I expect from companies now. You know, like when companies reach out to me, I have such a hard time finding sponsorships because I I think that if your company is producing a product, that you should also be doing something to counteract the harm that that product causes to produce. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. You no, know? it does. It's it's their responsibility it is their product therefore it is their responsibility like as adults we don't poop and expect somebody else to wipe our butts exactly unless you're ill and that's <laughs> fair but you know like yeah. if you're a fully functioning adult yep. which is what walmart is yep. you know what i mean like as yep. far as a corporation goes you're a fully functioning corporation multi-million dollar one at that yep you can wipe your own butt and you can clean up your own shit
0: exactly exactly you know i i i told you before but i like had a very popular um like water bottle company reach out to me and they were like yeah we're ethical because we're like not you know it's not a single use product and i was like that's not necessarily what ethical means <laughs> like just because your product isn't a single use product doesn't mean that it's ethically made and then of course you get some digging into it and it's it's made in china and you're like okay well what's the factory in china like is the china, is the factory in china looking to use green energy or is it a place where you're basically paying minimum to get your product and then have it shipped to America where you're selling it as an eco product and they're like oh what we do we do beach cleanups I'm like that's that doesn't that's not enough for me like <laughs> like it's just not like if that's what your company is doing like fucking Axon Mobile does beach cleanups like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to cut it for me anymore unless you're like a really tiny tiny like small business like you your mom and yeah. your boyfriend and the three of you are going to do beach cleanups and that's what it is like that's an exception okay but if you are making like into the, the six figures with your with your uh product and you're not putting anything back into counteracting what you do to produce your product then I I I don't know if I can work with you. And that's been such a hard thing for me to find people like to find companies to do sponsorships along those lines. Cause as soon as I ask that question, I'm like, Hey, what do you do to counteract what you do, what like what your product costs environmentally they're always just like silent or I get ghosted.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, like, they're like, ooh, shit, nothing. Nothing.
0: I'm just going (laughs) to pretend like I didn't hear that. (laughs) No, fully. (laughs) So I think that kind of pulls us into zero waste and how zero waste, I think, is a very much consumer-blaming tactic. And on top of that, it is consumer-blaming. And on top of that, it is a privileged thing to do like you see it all over social media, it's very much romanticized, this zero, zero waste lifestyle is very much romanticized, but then we don't necessarily talk enough about how it's really a privileged lifestyle, and, and it, it bothers me that we don't say those things enough, that, that yes, it's like zero waste, the idea is so beautiful, that's, that's a wonderful thought, but it's, it's not realistic, and that's unfortunate, but I think that's where things like Plastic into uh like a green hydrogen come into place Mm -hmm. like we're we're learning how to deal with the waste that we're producing and I think that's a better tactic than trying to convince the world to go zero waste
1: yeah and honestly it goes well we should go into why it's such a privileged being zero waste is such a privileged mentality as well like we were talking about this the other day because we're funny um (laughs) you know, at least for, I'll give myself in this example, Um, you know, I live out in the country, I live really, really far away from just any store, basically, and so if I want to go to my closest bulk shopping, they actually have a store, it's called Protea Zero Waste here, it's in (laughs) Kailua now. Um, It takes forever to get there, and they really only have a few products, and it's super expensive, and it's just not practical. It's not practical, and I'm like, I'm not looking for a conditioner bar that doesn't detangle my hair. Oh my gosh! That's... I need I need real conditioner that makes my hair feel slimy and just wonderful, yes. and it gets my dreads out.
0: Yes, I think that's that's the other thing that I always think about is how these zero waste like shower products really aren't meant for anybody that has anything beyond like white thin hair like white thin people hair
1: (laughs) well the entire zero waste movement is just created by this idea of white saviorism honestly it's so bad these hippies and like okay when you think of a hippie you know you think of this white person with dreadlocks Or just this, like, white flower-wearing, like, barefoot. And I'm barefoot all the time, and I wear flowers (laughs) all the time. But there's a big difference between me and a hippie. Um, And there's nothing wrong with caring about the land, obviously. It's just they've done it so in a way that they've actually managed to make it really exclusive for people of color, for people with less means. And it's, it's just bothersome. Yeah, it's it definitely is stressful or and it's
0: disheartening almost when it's disheartening. It's very disheartening when, you know, you're like you have these people that are like yes my zero waste lifestyle look how perfect i am and you're like that's that's great and all but do you do you see how much that could be detrimental to another person to to see and be like wow i i can't do that therefore i'm less like that's Mm -hmm. i don't i don't want to make anybody ever feel that way yeah like if you can't afford to be zero waste if you can't afford to be vegan if you can't afford to do all these things then fucking don't like don't take on the world onto your fucking shoulders dude it's not your responsibility you are not the million dollar com- billion dollar companies that are literally pumping greenhouse gases into the atmosphere you are a single person on this planet that is just trying to fucking survive and like do the best that you can do like.
1: yeah no seriously and honestly there's a bunch of influencers right now that are going out and they, they shove all of their plastic, all of their waste that they've made all year into like little mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just kind of shocking how they managed to do that. First off, kudos to them, because yeah. I can't do that. And it's just, yeah, just don't feel bad if you can't do that, I don't. And no. I, I would say I'm pretty like environmentally conscious as far as a person. Yeah and even i can't do that and that's just you know like don't let these trends don't let these influencers don't let these like viral campaigns that aren't based in realistic science in realistic um like mckenzie saying conservation Mm -hmm. get you down because at the end of the day it's not our fault yeah that our government and our leaders let us down so fundamentally when it comes to our the preservation and the protection of our home
0: absolutely and i think that's that like brings us to the 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 idea of being able to like email or reach out to these companies like that's so much more attainable for somebody to do than these other big things like that's so much more obtainable for like a single mom of three Kit to, to take 10 minutes to send out an email is so much more attainable to do than to live a zero-waste lifestyle, you know? Yes, and I, no, think that, I agree. And I think that would actually be more effective in the long run, is is a, that single mom of three, you know, reaching out to the companies and trying to voice her opinion. In the long run, in the big picture, that would be more effective than a single person living zero-waste.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Just... Imagine having that many emails. Oh my god, that would make me change,
0: right? If you had billions of your company, or millions of your, even thousands, just thousands of people, like messaging you saying like this is what's important to me, and like of your customers, like I think that would do something. That would it would it would hit a spot, that's for sure. (laughs) And companies do listen. Like I know companies listen. They listen. Like if you give feedback, they listen. It. It's, we we just have to start giving the correct feedback.
1: (laughs) That's exactly it. We just have to start giving the correct feedback. Yeah, yeah, not the trendy feedback. Not the the trendy feedback. feedback, the correct feedback.
0: And I mean, while we're on the topic of privileged things and privileged lifestyles, we can always just bring in the lifestyle of veganism and how that has been pushed into a mainstream trend and how that's been detrimental, how that's actually caused much more environmental detriment then it has been helpful because it is mainstream in this weird way that's no longer like be plant-based and grow your own food and and shop from local places and and know your local farmers it's now like go to whole foods and still be plant-based and buy all these crops from around the world that shouldn't be you shouldn't be able to get year-round, but you still are able to eat year-round, and how that's actually really environmentally damaging.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's very clear that humans, and I'm not going to say all humans, at least most Western humans, (laughs) have a real problem (laughs) with doing anything sustainably, with not taking more than they need. You know, um, at least... You know, from my experience in Hawaii, I've witnessed the, one could say, domination of mm-hmm. landscape by farms, and it's done so in a very industrialized way, and it's so very damaging to our environment, just because, and you know what, they're farming pineapples, okay? It's not like, it's it's vegan, it's a pineapple, mm-hmm. um, and it's just not done sustainably, and Anything even with good intention if not done Mm -hmm. sustainably Damages things so much and because like you were saying veganism has become so mainstream and people like how easy it is to find vegan meats and just vegan soy based products as far as soy goes you know, um, most soy is farmed in the Amazon and um, And and if you don't know (laughs) Anything that's farmed in the Amazon tends to mm-hmm. not be done so in an mm-hmm. ethical, sustainable fashion. You know, they cut down acres and acres and acres of rainforest. And that's crucial to the survival of the people there. It's crucial to the planet. It's crucial to the animals and to just mm-hmm. to just the biodiversity that enables that has enabled us to thrive for so long it's just being destroyed because the people planet? are like oh i like my soy-based <laughs> products i like my sausages that are vegan sausages and my, my i don't even know what's going to oh, be on me no. but Sorry. but you I'm know sure. that's it's true it yeah true. it's true and they just don't get it no and it's fair because they're not told that and they just haven't really thought to dig a little deeper like most people don't think to dig a little deeper but that's why we talk about exactly that's why
0: we're talking about it is is i think that again it's one of those things that once you start really looking into like veganism it really starts to unfold very quickly um and and the ethics behind it really begins to unfold really quickly right and that's the thing is like it just as there there is a way to be an ethical vegan there's also a way to be an ethical omnivore there's also a way to ethically eat and and i think people don't necessarily recognize that and when it comes to like the vegan diet which I mean, eat more, eat more plants, please. Just everybody in general. Like I think that's one thing that people don't need to like, like just for you and your health, like do eat more plants. Absolutely. Like that's, I think that our diet in America it's or just in the West hideous. is hideous. Like it's, it's, it's terrible. We really don't need to be eating meat every single meal. Like it's not necessary. And we don't recognize that. And I, and I think that people also get that confused. Like when they see me shitting on veganism, they're like, Oh, so she's a person that like, oh...
1: You're just a carnivore. Oh, yeah, you're just a carnivore. Child. Oh, you do. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, they're instantly just like, oh, so you, so you're just a carnivore. You're going to die of heart disease. Like, I literally got told that today by, when I was arguing with a vegan online. They were like, hey, well, good luck with your heart attack at 40. And I was like, okay, like, just because... I'm not... That's so funny. Yeah, Yeah, like just because I'm not a vegan doesn't mean that my diet is necessarily unhealthy. I mean, yes, my diet isn't the best, but that's because I have other issues with eating, so I eat what my body mm-hmm. wants, and, and that's that's a whole different thing that we don't even have to get into today, but, like, obviously, I think veganism has like isn't plausible for everybody on a, a physical health front and a mental health front. Like, that, then that goes unrecognized a lot. Yeah. Um, like, a lot.
1: Like, the whole... Mm-hmm. The whole like vegan anti or I mean the whole anti meat argument is just very very one sided yeah. it's very very one sided and so is the um anti vegan argument oh, yeah. it's very very one sided and you know you need to like like we were saying the other day there's two There's two sides of a coin and sometimes it's a dice. Sometimes there's way more than two sides and every side needs to be looked at so you can understand the entire picture Uh, because with, yeah, no, really mm -hmm. though. But without understanding the whole picture, how can we ever move forward to this is always the goal. At least it's always my goal. I know it's always your goal. How can we move forward in the hopes of preserving and bettering our planet?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing is, right. Is that we, people automatically assume that when I say I'm like, I'm not anti-vegan, obviously. I I support people that Mm -hmm. that have that diet. I think that if you do it in an ethical way, that's great. If that's something that you love and that makes you feel good, amazing. Do it. Um, so obviously I'm not anti-vegan, but I think when people see me like uh, speaking about it in a negative way, they automatically are like, Oh, you're the other side of the coin automatically. No, I'm not the other side of the coin. I am in the middle of this dice. Like we, (laughs) this is a Mm -hmm. big, very complex, like D20 Dungeons and Dragons dice. Like, Mm -hmm. There's many sides to this, and I am standing in the middle of it, trying to be like, no, you can you can do all of these things, but you just need to. It needs to be done in a in a in a careful way, in a more realistic way. You can you can eat meat, not for every fucking meal. You don't need to be having it three times a day. You do not need an excessive amount of meat. I think that's a huge and issue.
1: you Definitely shouldn't have it three times a day. No, you shouldn't. Day. That's you, just really not truly not. No, good it's for not.
0: You. And you know, so of course the, you know. It, I do want to make sure that it's understood that it's not that I'm (laughs) saying that you should just eat whatever meat you want. I mean, honestly, if if you can't afford to eat, Meat that is from a butcher that's from a local farm, because it does tend to be more expensive. If you can literally only afford the chicken at Walmart, then get the fucking chicken at Walmart. I'm I'm not I'm not knocking you down, but if you can and have the ability to make those ethical decisions or these ecological, I should say these ecological decisions, and you have farms in your area, you have the extra five bucks to spend on meat that's a little bit more ethical, then please do it. You know, like that's the thing is that we need to be. It needs to be a combo of reducing our meat intake on in the western society because it's way too big right now as well as promoting farms that farm ecologically um you know and and that's that's not farms like fucking dole like it's not places like these that do these big monocrops these you know and destroy soil and destroy land um you know you've you've said this before is hawaii basically had its own farming system at one point you, you guys had, you know, I, I'm going to let you explain this cause I'm sure you can explain it better than me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I was like waiting for you to try and explain it and I was going to be nice about it, but I was like, Ooh, let's see you do it. Mackenzie. Okay. So pre European contact, um, Hawaii had approximately 1 million people living in our island chain, which, just to give you some perspective, right now we have 1.5 million, so that's a lot, and we outsourced absolutely nothing. We lived a completely sustainable life, Um, and we were able to do that because, honestly, we had a revolutionary system of growing food. We called it an ahupua'a. And what that is, it's basically a land division from the mountain to the sea, and it's separated by rivers or streams. Within these ahupua'a, we grew everything that that community that lived within the ahupua'a needed. Anything that that community could not grow was then traded with communities that had something else that we did not have. So if we, so we, we eat a lot of taro here. Taro, I don't know how to explain what that is to it's, you guys it's a root don't vegetable is, it's a I'm root sorry. vegetable
0: you guys yeah <laughs> very similar to like a daikon or not Thank daikon you. Daikon is a, is a radish but kind of in the like sweet potato family almost yeah but it's mm-hmm. but it's a root vegetable kind of like it's a, a very, potato yeah a beautiful color of purple
1: it's kind of cool but yeah yeah and so we grew a lot of taro we used the entire plant everything that we grew we used all of it everything that we killed we used all of it. We never tried to dominate the land per se. We definitely farmed and we would definitely clear areas to farm, but it was done so in a sustainable way. So for example, when we planted taro, it would be upland. It would be near streams and we would divert the streams. We would divert the streams to feed the taro because they have to have a constant flow of water on them to produce delicious food. Not all types, but you know this type that I'm talking about. Um, the nutrients from the taro fields would then flow down to the streams, and we didn't only eat taro; we ate a lot of things. This is just the example I'm choosing to use. Um, would flow downstream into the fish ponds, into the local ia, and within these fish ponds, so Hawaiians would build large, large rock walls, um, and they would essentially create man-made tidal pools and little baby fish would swim in to these tidal pools during high tide to protect themselves from the (laughs) larger fish that would be Mm -hmm. on the outside of the walls trying to eat them then they would realize how nutrient dense the tidal pool areas were and they would stay and they would stay and they would grow and then hawaiians would be able to sustainably harvest them and anything that was harvested, you know, anything that was cleaned, the guts and whatnot, would go back to the uplands to feed the plants that would then nourish us again. And so we really had a very effective circle of life thing going, honestly. And anything that that ahupua didn't have within that they weren't able to grow, within that area, they would trade things with other ahupua'a that they they couldn't get, that they couldn't grow. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was very sustainable. We fed one million people. Today in Hawaii, We, it's laughable. We export, I think, 90% of our so food. Of, so scary. Yeah, no, it's, it's like so absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. If our shipping was to stop, I think we have something like three to five days of food on the island for everyone. On the islands for everyone, it's terrifying, and so when you realize this, it's like, oh my goodness, what have we been doing with our lives? Um, but just to 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 wrap to round it back to the ahupua'a system, we managed to live mm-hmm. that lifestyle, that sustainable lifestyle, mm-hmm. up until um, the introduction of sugarcane. And with the introduction of sugarcane um, came this idea of industrialized farming and of monocropping. And what they did is they, they dominated the land, they cleared it out, they planted one type of crop, yeah. aka sugarcane. The sugarcane leached all of the nutrients that needed from the ground and they never returned yeah. anything Land-wise. back to the soil. And we have been <laughs> struggling, honestly, since yeah. then. Since the introduction of sugarcane, Hawaiians have been struggling financially, mentally, health-wise. But that all can be blamed on the loss of our ahupua'a, our sustainable systems.
0: And the... The ah,
1: ah, I can't say it. The ahapua'a. ahu
0: pua. I'm so... My olelo is so bad. I'm surprised that I don't get dragged for it more often since I do, like, talk about Hawaiian history and things like that. I Like, I'm so surprised that people don't drag me for it more often. I always caveat with, like, please excuse my olelo. Like, I always caveat with it, but I'm still surprised I don't get dragged more often. Um, <laughs> But the the ahapua'a really reminds me of regenerative agriculture, like, modern regenerative agriculture. It was basically a system that nourish the soil and you know use the land in a proper way so that you're not like monocrops do basically causing the soil to be to to lose all of its nutrients right when you have these mono these monocrops like the big dole plantation crop that if you ever on the north shore of hawaii or oahu specifically you will see miles and miles and miles of pineapple crops which don't necessarily grow there properly (laughs) no Um, it's it's not a as much as you think it is a hawaiian fruit it is not a hawaiian fruit it is not indigenous to the land um you could even possibly say that it is invasive to the land and to some degree um Mm -hmm. to 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 some extent it's not as as invasive as you know other things like the haulikoa which is a whole different issue but it it is to some degree invasive where you're having these big mile hugely many many acres of of pineapple being grown and it is causing harm to the soil the land that is there and i'm sure it is somehow affecting the coral that's in that area you know to have to have the same Things rolling over the ocean in that area must play a detriment onto the the marine life in that area. Like I I, I guarantee it.
1: <laughs> it does. On Kauai, there is a farm. It's a pig farm actually, and it's upstream. And for years, they were getting away with just throwing their waste into the river. Yeah. And it essentially covered the the reefs. Mm-hmm killing most of it, Um, it makes surfing in that area and the break is good in that area. So people are going to go regardless of the possible biohazardous material that's floating around waiting to infect your body. But it's just the thing with this type of agricultural system, this type of monocropping, this industrial farming, it's so harmful to everything Mm -hmm. and people don't get it. They just don't get it. That's why it's like cool being vegan is awesome. But (laughs) if it's not done sustainably, if you're not getting your soy and just your products from, or just even meat, you know what I mean? Like if you're not getting your food from a farm, that is doing things the right way that wants to preserve the planet just so they can make more like just so they can make more money it's just it's baffling how bad it is
0: absolutely absolutely it is bad and 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 i think that hawaii would do some good with with regenerative agriculture and and we haven't implemented it there really you know there are like the big island has a lot of farmland and there's a lot of cattle and
1: the big island is owned mostly by one farm one ranch called parker ranch (laughs) and they have done the exact same thing as all other farms all industrialized farms that have ever come to hawaii have done they rape the land they force the Hawaiians to work for them at below minimum wage. And then they blame us. Yeah. It's, it's So, yeah, but like saying, you know, Hawaii could do this. It's like, it's really up to the government mm-hmm. to put changes in place. And again... The Hawaiian government is a tricky thing oh, because we operate under two systems. We're not going to get into that. We <laughs> operate under the fraudulent state system, a.k.a. America. And then we also operate under the kingdom or the Hawaiian kingdom laws. And it's, it's just very tricky because obviously America has the nuclear warheads mm-hmm. here and they can do what they want to us.
0: And don't worry, everyone, we will be having a podcast about this topic. We will definitely be diving further into how Hawaii is a illegally occupied nation. But that's a different story for a different time, because we can go on (laughs) for a very long time about said topic.
1: It just means we have no say on who owns our land, how it gets farmed, and... How people get paid to work on said farms, and again, this is all very, very important as far as regenerative regen. Oh my gosh, reg. I can't say the word right now. Regenerative. Regenerative. Regener, what is it? Thank you, thank you. Regenerative agriculture. It's so so important, and even even pay wages. That's important. Yep. Yeah, it really. I mean, it it
0: makes a huge difference if you're also paying. The local people a livable wage not just minimum wage a livable wage for the state oh yeah because hawaii is expensive and how many like how many times have i had two jobs three jobs just to support myself while living there and tried to go to school and all these things like if you're you're living in a place that is overly expensive overpriced because the land does not own to the local people anymore it's, the land o- is being owned by people from all over the world uh, specifically you know a lot of people owning it from china and japan though thankfully
1: mostly from the united states like it's mostly the rich it's mostly the united states like facebook guy owns like he <laughs> i think he's the second largest landowner yes he's the second largest landowner in hawaii second only to bernice Pawahi bishop and if you don't know who she is she is the last remaining princess well she was the last princess of the hawaiian yeah. islands yeah so that's a lot. a lot. He has a lot, of, a lot land. of land. I actually just got into a conversation with someone um, saying, she's like, well, there's 1.5 billion million people on Hawaii and nobody wants to be farmers. What do you th- Why do you think Hawaii could be regenerative? Regener- Fuck, I hate that word. <laughs> Why do you think Hawaii, like, you think anyone's going to want to be a farmer? And I was like, well, first and foremost, the Hawaiian population makes up about 20%. Yep of the people here so that's not a lot (laughs) don't blame hawaiians for that (laughs) secondly we do not own the farms because that was taken from us during the fall of the hawaiian kingdom and slightly before due to the great mahele and um some rich european american (laughs) insurgents it's true. Yeah. Um, and third, if we, like you were saying, if we are not getting paid, she's like, she was saying that, oh, you guys hire immigrants and blah, blah, blah. I was like, how can you expect a Hawaiian to work for below minimum wage yeah. and support our families here? We're already moving away, being displaced at alarming rates. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's not our fault. It's up to the government it's up to well it's up to people like us okay. to be louder mm-hmm. about what we want it's up to people like us to push for changes within our government and it's also up to people like us to hold the fraudulent state accountable for their war crimes my bad <laughs> i went there
0: and it's up to us to hold them fraudulent for their work i love how you add that in it's amazing <laughs> just like had that caveat um no i think that's i think that's very much accurate and uh you know as much as we would love in our perfect world to see regenerative agriculture or some form of like like Mm -hmm. a re-implementation of the ahokua system in hawaii because obviously that's how Mm -hmm. the land is works properly like that's you know i i think it's funny that literally the native people of the land laid it out for everyone was like here (laughs) is how it can work and function properly and the colonizers were like no
1: (laughs) yeah no we're gonna do it Way because you're filthy savages and you don't wear shirts. Put a shirt on, but here let on. us give you STDs, oh rape, your women, rape your women, and then wipe out your population by like, like 95%. Huh. Fuck sakes! Oh my god, no, seriously. Oh my god. And they think we're the savages, it's, it's mind blowing. It is
0: mind blowing. There's it's 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 so hard to even comprehend. Like, what I think is really interesting is that the Hawaiian people must have seen. Or must have noticed, like, like the big picture. Like they must have seen. Like I don't know how to say that properly, but like, like they must have been able to tell the future or something. Because the way that they had the land running is a way that it would say sustainable, you know. And how, like, how, how, how were people supposed to know that all
1: that well, time ago? We, we have this saying, and I'll just give you the translated version. I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna make you guys remember the Hawaiian version, but it means. To look to the future, you have to look to the past. Mm -hmm. There's so Hawaiians and honestly, Pacific Islanders really, really understood that because of our limited resources being on islands. Mm -hmm. The idea of sustainability, and we had past experiences of not being sustainable and having populations wiped out because of our errors. Mm -hmm. We understood the necessity of doing things the right Mm -hmm. way. And so, people who are continent-based let's (laughs) call them when they come to an island they fail to grasp how limited our resources are absolutely or or and even their own you're just on a bigger island it doesn't mean it doesn't run out it just means you have a little more to play with before things start messing up
0: absolutely you have you a little you you don't see it as much when you're when your land is so vast it's not right next to you you're, the ocean isn't literally rising right next to you the the road isn't falling into the ocean right next to you as it is on on oahu
1: no um, seriously and it, it is. is it's falling into the yep. ocean it absolutely
0: is falling into the ocean right now
1: houses are falling yeah. in for people that don't yeah if you don't believe in climate change just and you're listening to Mackenzie's mckenzie's <laughs> podcast I can't express to you enough. Again, because you are mostly land-based, I get that it's really hard to grasp. Yeah. But in Hawaii, we're having extreme high tides, high tides that are taking in houses. We're having our roads falling in. The other day I was driving back from town and a wave literally splashed into my car. It came into my car. Yeah. <laughs> um, our oceans are warmer than they have ever mm-hmm. been our whales are coming later and later and staying shorter and shorter and we're seeing more and more calves abandoned. Uh, it's it's really, really scary. And I know, again, if you don't see it, you can't comprehend it, but it's true. And to give an example, we had very recently, maybe a few years ago, the first ever climate change refugees. They're from an islands in the Pacific. They're called the Kiribati Island. And they were forced to send their children away. They had to send their young people away because the islands are going underwater. The ocean has infiltrated their, um, their fresh water and essentially the life they just won't be able to survive there for very much longer. And so they sent their kids away and their elders decided to stay and die with the island. So they're just waiting to go out with their islands and it's so sad that's like
0: the most heart-wrenching thing you can say (laughs) they're just waiting to Mm -hmm. to sink with their ship that is heart-wrenching
1: heart-wrenching but it's the truth
0: uh absolutely and i think that pulls us into the most important thing that we have to say today is I know that you did it like a couple days ago I saw you I saw you with your ballot and uh, and I couldn't be more proud cuz I I think that as a person who is an, a US immigrant and eligible to vote it means a lot to me when the people closest to me are using their voice to to do the things that i <laughs> want <laughs> to to advocate for things that i that i would like um so we're you know i think it's important to to vote if you're you're hearing this podcast the the u.s election has not uh come about yet we're like i think when you hear this will be like 10 le- 10 or a little bit more than 10 days away by the time that you're hearing this podcast and uh it's it's so important. Like I I know that we're like, oh, it's it's just it's just the US president, but the United States has so much power, so much control of of what happens, and to be not be part of the Paris Agreement, to not be one of the leading countries in reducing climate change into reducing greenhouse gases into you know, renewable energies, to not even be remotely near one of the top countries. To be doing those things is is shameful so if you have the ability if you have the right the privilege mm-hmm. the privilege to vote in the united states election please please do it um i i, I think that I, I know that cheyenne's just itching to say you know for the polynesian people so i'm gonna let her i'm gonna let her say that because i think it's an important message to hear that that it's it's not just you and your taxes it's affecting, but but listen to a person of the Pacific tell you how much it is affect it, it will affect well, those people. Thank you,
1: Mackenzie. Um, so first <laughs> and foremost, beyond above anything, I am Hawaiian. Secondly, and almost at the same time, honestly, I am a child of the Pacific. And what that means is I come from the from just a history of the greatest seafarers known to mankind. Um, Our people have settled, Mm -hmm. inhabited, and thrived in the largest, most expansive ocean in the world. And up until very recently, we have begun to fall to no fault of our own, but um, at the fault of many first world countries like America like China like Japan so many places have let us down so many places have used us as as target practice so many places have used us oh. for experiments on radiation and as a pacific islander who is allowed to vote in what very well might be one of the most important elections in our time, as much as I hate to admit it, it's, it's a privilege because um, our sister islands over in the CNMI, over in Guam, Saipan, American Samoa, they're not allowed to vote, but they're technically owned by America. Nope. They see the effects of American laws yep. go into place. They see the American military bombing their islands. And they're not allowed to vote. So as a Hawaiian, I take it very, very seriously to vote on the behalf of not just other Hawaiians, but on the behalf of the Pacific and not just the people, but the ocean itself. And so when I choose to vote, when I chose to vote, I kept that at the forefront of my mind and I voted for a candidate that was at least willing to look at the possibility that climate change is real because one yes because one to some one degree. of them acknowledges <laughs> it and the other completely denies it and take it from someone who is seeing it firsthand Yep. in my short 28 years of life i'm seeing it firsthand it's mm-hmm. real it's happening it's scary and it's gonna it's gonna kill a lot of people it's gonna kill a lot of animals it's gonna kill our oceans it's- and we need we need to stop it right now. Yeah,
0: we need to take action right now. There needs to be action that's done immediately, and we need to stop rolling back on things. That that's happened the past four years is that we have been hugely rolling back on environmental protections. And I'm going to have Cheyenne pronounce this for you because I, <laughs> Lord knows, I won't be able to. But Hawaii has a huge marine sanctuary called Pāpahānaumokuākea. There we go. Look how beautiful that is. Um, I will spell it out for you guys in the comments so that you guys can see what it says. Um, I don't know if you know what the, the meaning of it is. Do you know, Shai?
1: Papahanaumokuakea is the, essentially, she's Earth Mother. So to our Waakea Sky Father, Papahanaumokuakea is Earth Mother. And so that sanctuary is named after our ancestral origin.
0: Okay. I mean, and, and it's, it's an important thing, uh, it was implemented by President Obama. And I think it's hugely, hugely impacted the conservation of Hawaii in a positive manner. Um, You know, this is mostly up in the northwest, northwest atolls of Hawaii. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Hawaii isn't just eight main islands or whatever it may be. It is hundreds and hundreds of little islands that have trailed off. And there are a lot of little atolls now in the northwest colony, northwest area of of the territory. And those atolls are places for things like the endangered Hawaiian monk seal and the albatross to nest and to breed. And those weren't protected. Those areas weren't protected until Obama's uh, administration made it so. And, you know, commercial fishing was hugely, hugely impacting those areas. Um, Not just with their fishing waste, because like most of you should know at this point um just a little bit less than 50% of marine debris is fishing equipment.
1: Um, and a lot of it washes up on the beach right in front of my house, people. <laughs> Seriously. Uh,
0: I know I I, I I we also we we both lived in, in an area together where we would meet halfway in between <laughs> and we would see just nets and nets and I can't even describe the smell to you it is the most horrific smell of decomposing fish and oh it's so bad and you are pulling It's these,
1: corpses from the bottom of the ocean oh, just left oh, to dry on land
0: left to dry on land it's oh it's it is unreal it is an unreal smell um but because the there's no more commercial fishing in that area or within a certain span of that area you're reducing the amount of fishing equipment that's wiped that's washing up on those atoll shores which helps of course the monk seals helps the albatross, helps the nature in general um but you know you're reducing the potential oil spills you're reducing so much impact by just making it a sanctuary and making certain regulations like you can't you know commercial fish you can't you can't um there's no commercial diving even that like you only can really go up for like research purposes or, you know, and you have to wear certain sunscreens and all this, this whole long list of things because it's, a, it's a sanctuary now and it's protected and that is at risk. That protected area could be lost. And how fucking detrimental would that be? That sends shivers down my spine to think about. He how... actually
1: wants to open it up to deep sea. Um, oh God.
0: Yeah, he wants to open it to, to deep sea fracking, doesn't he? Like basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Oh the oldest God. living coral. I think it's the oldest living organism they found down there. Very recently, it's older than that moss that grows up in Oregon or that fungus. It's the oldest living animal on the planet, and it lives down there. So just keep that in mind, and and, and we're like fracket. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: fracket, it. fracket. It. <laughs> Yeah, so you know as your as we're concluding this podcast, I just want you to leave this podcast with thinking about all the things that we've said and how your vote, plays a huge part in this like yes we can reach out to these companies that you know money is power and they have lots of money and and we can reach out to these companies and and make an impact that way but the bigger impact that we need to be also contributing to is voting and voting for the correct people and having the correct people in office to represent us and represent what the people want and the people want sustainability we want realistic conservation we want these things and therefore we need to be voting for these things
1: well, at least we want it. I won't say everyone, <laughs> but you know. <laughs>
0: you should want it.
1: Yeah, you should
0: want <laughs> it because
1: in the long run, you can make more money if we're not all dead. Yeah,
0: you will make more money if we have a planet to live on. Like, remember Seriously. That. <laughs> In order for you to sell your product, there needs to be a planet and a people. So mm-hmm. remember that. Remember that when you're going into vote. You know this this year. I know that most of us have, or most people that I know, have already kind of pre-voted because of the pandemic. It's it's been able. It's an easier to early vote, and that's amazing. I'm I'm glad there's been a huge spiking voting this year because obviously we recognize how important this election is. But don't stop, don't stop now. We're like le- we're ten days away, whatever that may be. Twelve days away, whatever it is. When you're listening to this, we are so close to. A monumental, monumental election, and don't let don't don't stop. Keep up the fire. Keep calling your friends. Keep convincing them to to vote and to vote for the correct party that represents not just minority people but represents the planet. Because that's at the end of the day, it is the most important. Like I, I know that human rights are so important to all of us. They're also very important to me, but we can't have human rights if we don't have a planet to live on. So, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, planets, first people, planet, first people. Well, I think that pretty much brings us to a great, a great rounding point. That was an amazing conversation. Thank you for being here. Oh my goodness. What (laughs) miracle. (laughs) It was a miracle. We, this has been the most difficult time recording this podcast, but we have finally (laughs) made it happen and I am so proud of us. Um, so i I want you to let us know where, or let, let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can learn more about Hawaiian rights, where they can learn about more Hawaiian conservation, because you have a great platform that talks about these issues. So shout yourself out a little bit.
1: All right. Well, you can find me at Cheyenne Kanani on Instagram. Um, I'm in the works of making a blog. It's called Child of the Pacific. So make sure to check that out. It'll be on my Instagram. Very shortly, um, I'm kind of controversial on there. I'm not the friendliest person, but you're my best friend. I think people know that. They should expect that. Part, I, I do try very hard to educate and not spread hate. Always, mm. um, I mean, my best friend is Mackenzie. She's like this <laughs> this white chick from Canada. Sorry, Native American white chick from Canada. Um, uh. But yeah definitely check it out if you're interested give me a follow and um maybe you'll learn something
0: yeah and Cheyenne will be back on the podcast uh, I'm sure to talk about Hawaiian rights and all these sorts of things shortly but she will be on the podcast uh the private podcast which is on my patreon patreon dot com forward slash mckenzie um and she will having filming some really fun uh and some borderline controversial ones with cheyenne over there so if you want to hear her uh talk about some really interesting topics i would head over to the to the patreon and uh subscribe to that so you can get into the exclusive podcasts which are because they are 18 you know it's an 18 plus platform we can we can talk about things in a little bit less censored way um but I really enjoyed having you here, Shy. Thank you so much for, for coming in today and for being the first podcast member. This was an incredible first podcast to let out. Great first, <laughs> first, first, first out the door. We're just going to stomp on everything. And I think that's very traditional, you and I, <laughs> to just bulldoze <laughs> down the door <laughs> from the very get go. Um, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Mackenzie. Um, yeah. Peace out, Girl Scout.
0: Peace out, Girl Scout.